Welcome to Dental Brain Crops. I'm your host, Chelsea Myers, and today we're joined with Michael Gorton, a 14-time serial entrepreneur, a real pioneer of telemedicine, who is the co-founder of Teladoc, which launched a trillion-dollar industry. And um, I'm so excited to hear about his journey, especially where he's at currently as the CEO of Recuro Health, which focuses on proactive and preventative uh, health care and approaches to longevity. Welcome to the show, Michael. Good morning, Chelsea. Good morning. It's so good to have you here. Well, you know, I, you're you're a couple hundred miles away. You're having rain, and we're having another <laughs> blazing hot day. So go figure. Yeah, well, I can't say I envy your situation. I'm going to take it, but I'll send some your way if I can. Yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, hey, I'm so excited to talk to you, and I'd just love to know, first of all, tell me a little bit about your... Um, the inception of the idea of Teladoc? Um, believe it or not, I was climbing Kilimanjaro with um, Dr. Brooks, and I had just sold the company for a nice sum. And I think he was thinking, wow, I'd love to do this, you know, build a company and uh, change the world and sell it. And so we started talking about it while climbing Kilimanjaro. And so we always joke around, you know, uh, uh, the current term for a billion dollar company is unicorn. And so we always joke around that on Kilimanjaro, there are unicorns. We found <laughs> one of them. <laughs> Very good. So this was just conversation on the way up? Yeah, yeah. It was, well, it, um, I, I think it was a lot of prodding on Dr. Brooks's part. Um, he had an idea. I didn't like it in the beginning, but the more we talked about it, the more I liked it. Uh-huh. Okay. So you guys liked it. How well received was this? What what did that uh, you know, introduction to the industry look like? So it depends on who you ask. When we first started testing it with customers, they loved the idea. You know, oh, a doctor will call me back in a couple of minutes. That's great. And it costs a fraction of what it costs to go see the doctor in the office. The ones that didn't like it were the uh, governmental bodies, the boards of medical examiners told us we would go to prison for building that company. So that was the real journey. Um, telemedicine as an idea had been around for a long time. Dr. Sanders created it in the, in the 1960s. Um, the big resistance was boards of medical examiners who thought it was unethical for a doctor to treat a patient they had never touched. Mm -hmm. So that was the big, that was the big, obstacle that we had to overcome. How interesting. Cause, um, I've actually had four kids and none of them were delivered by the doctor that was treating me up to the point of birth, giving birth, which I recognize <laughs> maybe the baby was more the patient in that situation than me. But, um, yeah. in two of the situations, my babies were delivered by nurses. One, I was out of state unexpectedly. And the other, the doctor was just not um, working at that time. And so that's really interesting because I think that happens more frequently than maybe is recognized anyways. Well, I think now it's accepted. Uh, in 2004, when we first introduced it to the world, it was not accepted. I can't tell you how many times sheriffs came into our office with guns and badges. And, um, and the problem historically had been everybody tried to fight the boards with lawyers, guns, and money. And what we decided was we can't fight the boards and win. Let's use thought leadership. And so we would write white papers with surgeons 
a surgeons general and we would uh, bring HHS secretaries and well-known healthcare um, people in and, and use them to convince those boards that this was a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how long do you feel like it took before the rubber really started to hit the ground and take place? Um, so there were states uh, that in, uh, embraced it a little faster. Teladoc was um, born in Texas. And so uh, in Texas, we managed to get through the process. In your home state, it was really difficult. Um, <laughs> Sorry about they, that. They resisted for, they were one of the last holdouts. Okay. Okay. Well. And, we, and you we, know, what's really funny is during that time period, probably one of the, um, at least one of my favorite senators in the U.S. Senate was a medical doctor, U.S. Senator from Oklahoma named Coburn. And um, uh, he liked what we were doing, but the, his state board did not. Yeah. Yeah, that's always a challenge. But, you know, it's really, it's really more beneficial for everyone. It's convenient people, you can probably do a lot more work in a lot shorter period of time. Everybody's happier, more efficient, more productive. Right, right. Mm -hmm. the, um, the physicians under a telemedicine model can make more money than they can with their traditional brick and mortar facility. Because if you think about all of the expenses that they have running that brick and mortar um, between all the test equipment and the building and all the other personnel, uh, it's quite expensive. And so um, what we found in telemedicine is it can only treat certain things. You know, obviously there are things that you have to go to the, uh, to the primary care doctor's facility for. But for those things that you can treat with a medical record, a telephone um, uh, and and a physician, it turns out that the physician can spend more time with you, get the same outcome. The doctor makes more money. You have less stress. You don't have to go to the doctor's office and you get um, a response in minutes rather than days. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And we've used it. I like it. Um, so tell me what it's like leading an untreaded path from the entrepreneurial standpoint the fear, the uncertainty, the anxieties, those types of things. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think if you were born to be an entrepreneur, you'll get this, but um, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't leave the office on Friday afternoon. It's mm -hmm. with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You're always thinking about how do you solve the next problem? It's your passion, not your work. And, um, you know, if you find something as an entrepreneur that you really believe in, it's uh, it, it's so much better than the work world where you go to corporate America every day. Yeah, I'm with you 100 percent. So <laughs> but what's what inside you is the differentiator? Because there are a lot of people with passions who would like to do these types of things, but it gets to a certain point and you're like, you know, from the outside looking in, wondering what happened, why didn't they complete that? So how do you push through when it's completely dark and uncertain? Right. Well, I think um, I always like to go back to the, uh, the Kennedy Moon speech. One of the things I, I love, he, you know, he he's talking about going to the moon and he says, why does Rice play Texas? He's thinking about football, right? Uh -huh. You know, Texas, a powerhouse, Rice, a bunch of brains, you know, it's not really a good competition. 
But what he says that sort of locks it all in is he says, we choose to go to the moon, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. And, um, you know, I think changing the world is often not easy. It's hard, but um, you, you, you can choose to do it. You know, if you have any friends who run marathons, ask them why they run a marathon. And a lot of them will say the same thing because it's hard. Because it's it's an opportunity to push yourself to the um, to the upper limits, mm-hmm. and um, and some of us just like doing that. Do you run marathons? I do. <laughs> I've done eighteen <laughs> of them. Wow, that's fantastic! What type of training does that look like throughout your week? Oh, uh, it's well, I haven't run a marathon in a few years, but in my younger days, um, mm-hmm. it's it, it. You know, you're working full time, but you've got to have something that gives you the balance and um but marathon training oftentimes is one very very long run per week so you could go out and run for two three hours um, in your long training runs and then you know a few times a week you do shorter runs which is probably a really excellent way like you said to clear your mind but i find that um, anything we do in our physical life whether it's you know, our sleep habits, our wind down routine, what we eat, how we exercise, those are actually very transferable to how we build our businesses. Um, the level of dedication right. and consistency that we see that we put into it. It's a brilliant intuitive point. You know, we, we are machines that require all kinds of balance. And if you just go to McDonald's every day, you're going to get that, you know? <laughs> and so if you go every once in a while, maybe you'll like, the McDonald burgers. I don't know, but, but you have to have balance. And what you just said is perfectly that you have to, you have to balance. Which is actually a really interesting segue because we were talking earlier before the show about Rikiro. And, um, I know that longevity and optimal health is your focus with that company. Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? Sure. Well, so if I look back at Teladoc and say, you know, what did we accomplish? Um, I never would have guessed we would create a quarter trillion dollar industry, but access, um, especially during, uh, during COVID, it was great that you could remotely access a physician um, when we were all in quarantine. So I think that's a really important piece of it. But um, what we created really was an efficiency engine. It didn't solve the two big problems in healthcare, which I think are, rising costs year after year. And why is it that our friends and family are still getting diagnosed with stage four cancer or finding out they have heart disease when they have their first heart attack? You know, do we have the technology today to catch those things? And in many cases we do. Um, And the great news is the technology is continuing to evolve. So the scope is getting broader and broader. And uh, so it's now time to take the engine that we created with Teladoc and apply it to not reactive care, but preventive care. So reactive is teledoc. I'm sick, I need a doctor. And so great efficiency engine, 10 minutes later, the doctor is on the phone with you. That's reactive. Preemptive is let's make sure we understand you as an individual and, and know what your what we say proclivities are. In other words, if you're if you have a ham family history of diabetes, and let's start watching for it and try and catch it before it gets significant, or heart disease, or strokes, or you know, name your malady. 
Um, let's start watching those things and treat them 10 years before they happen. And uh, so that's preemptive. That's, um, you know, there's a there's sort of a fanciful phrase right now. 60 is the new 40. So you're way too young to worry about either one of those. But, <laughs> but for those of us in my generation, you know, 60 is the new 40. That's like, oh, good. I'm 40 again, right? But uh -huh. um but in reality, I think in the next 10 years, we're actually going to be able to deliver, for those who are willing to do the work, we're going to be able to deliver something that's like 100 is the new 30. And, and so when we think about 100-year-old, we think of this person that's bent over with a cane, you know, mm -hmm. slow. And, um, and what I'm thinking about when I say 100 is the new 30 is being able to run those same marathon times at 100 that I ran at 30 and to have my hair color and my strength and my skin, um, all of those things. And, and um, it's not going to be a magic pill that you take. It's gonna be 30 things that you do on a regular basis. And so there's a tie here. So we're, I'm talking about longevity, but I'm actually also talking about good health. The best medicine today, believe it or not, is still our immune system. It fights off things all the time. It's fighting cancer right now. It's fighting, you know, all these things that are trying to attack us. And if our immune system is strong, we don't get sick. Mm -hmm. Or if we do, the immune system figures it out and solves it. And so the things that help us keep our immune system strong and the things that will help us make 100 is the new 30 are very similar. That's what we're working on. Wow, that's really exciting. Okay, so you're going to get a personalized plan on based on your health, your history, your genes, what you right. should and shouldn't be doing. Is right. this something that, and this, you know, may not be too early to know, but is this something that anybody at any stage can make? impactful changes or is this something that really needs to be started as soon as possible in your college career yeah i think the answer is both so okay. the young kids who are teenagers or in college right now in all likelihood will have the opportunity to live as long as they want um for those of us who are in our um 50s 60s 70s um, what we're going to be able to do probably is slow the tide a little bit. So we live longer, healthier uh, lives, but we're not going to solve the big problems. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's something that was uh, named back in the 1950s. It's called the Hayflick limit. And under, under that theory, people can only live to 120 years old. And without going into all the biochemistry, it's essentially your cells will only divide so many times. And if you do the math on the average human, it gets you to 120. Mm -hmm. And um, so we've got to we've got to solve that. And I don't know how far we are out from solving the hate limit. Some people think we're um, years. Some people think we're decades. Eventually, it's going to get solved. Uh, that's how good our science is getting. Well, so then really it needs to start at day one when they're babies, because in order well, to optimize everything I, I, that goes into cell reproduction and right. Yeah, maybe, maybe um, the, 
I think it's probably more likely going to be somewhere in your 30s because that's when your body really starts changing. The cells start dividing slower. You know, you want to understand why people get old and wrinkled. It's because somewhere in their 50s, they start, they stop producing new skin cells and Mm -hmm. um, at the same rate. And so, you know, those skin cells that you're wearing at 50 are probably going to be the ones you're wearing at 70. So they get aged, right? But um, the ones you're wearing at 19 are, have been completely replaced several times by the time you get 30. And so how do we keep that process going in the human engine? Um, those are some of the problems we'll be, we'll be solving over the next few decades. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up because when we first started talking about it, that's where my mind went to the creams and the injections and the surgeries that we do to yeah. try and mask the aging process. But what you're talking right. about is a, a lot more efficient in that it solves at the root of the problem. Right. Yeah. So, there, you know, in medicine, we can treat the symptoms or we can go to the root and solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where medicine is always trying to go. Uh, but, you know, with, creams are such a great example because, you know, add moisture and your skin looks better. Right. But um, but in reality, what's the what's the thing inside that made your skin look so great when you were 19? How do we get that thing working again? Right. Right. Fascinating. Well, I'm so excited. I'm definitely going to stay in touch with you on this. <laughs> so one of the things we're, we're doing right now, Chelsea, is um, I am working with one of the preeminent longevity physicians in the world. So there's thought leaders like Peter Diamandis, right? Um, the, um, the physicians who are actually on the front line trying to solve the problems. Uh, there's, there's a man whose name is Jeff Gladden. And Jeff Gladden is, um, he's, he's just way ahead of most people in, in this area of longevity. And, and he and I started writing a series of white papers. And uh, about a month ago, we finished one that sort of introduces, this is what we're going to be doing. And yesterday, so you're the first to hear this, um, we've released one that is, um, I think is really transformational. Now, most people don't know what molecular hydrogen is. And uh, probably this, this uh, podcast is not the right place to, to go into it. But I'll just say this. Uh, the physicians who understand it will probably tell you, if you had to get rid of 100% of your supplements and just keep one, it will be molecular hydrogen. And so we just finished a great white paper on it. And it's not technical, it's not written for, you know, those of us who are scientists or the physicians of the world. We wrote it on a high school level so everybody can read it and understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it is well worth the read. You can find it on my LinkedIn or on our website. And, um, you know, I would suggest 15 minutes to read it. It'll change your life. Yeah, I'll definitely read it for sure. Very good. Well, hey, speaking of writing, I know that you also have a number of books. What is your favorite? <laughs> okay, so you have a number of children. Which is your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, fair. Okay. I actually have two of them behind me. So this is one of my business books, Broken Handoff, where I talk okay. about uh, I talk about the uh, interactions between the entrepreneurs like myself and the investors and M&A partners that we have to deal with and how it's often broken. It's broken because we tend to be intrepid. And they tend to be like Wharton or Harvard M- uh, MBAs. And we think differently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, and so it, you know, the end result of broken handoff is we need to learn how to communicate better. You know, how do we have a translator? So, you know, if we're talking to somebody who only speaks Chinese, you know, how do we translate between that? The Harvard mm-hmm. MBA and the entrepreneur don't exactly speak the same language. So how do we translate how do, and, and improve that process? So that's broken handoff. And then the other one uh, uh, is a uh, historic fiction. I found out that my uh, forefather was one of the founders of Rhode Island and he was always in trouble. He was getting publicly flogged and, and thrown out of colonies. And, and so I went back and researched um, his story and, and both of those were uh, bestsellers. How interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure that I've read that second one. I have to look into that. That sounds really neat. <laughs> Yeah, very good. Hey, so if someone was starting their, you know, starting their journey and they wanted to embark on some sort of medical entrepreneurship or, this, you know, there's a lot of dental entrepreneurs on this podcast that listen. So um, what what would your advice be to someone who's going to take the plunge? Get a mentor. Find somebody, you know, anytime you do something new, like, so we were talking about marathons. The first time I ran a marathon, I found somebody who had run lots of marathons Mm -hmm. to train me and mentor me. Um, There's nothing in the world like a good mentor who can help you figure out what the potholes are going to be before you hit them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that advice. I'm a big fan of mentors as well. Thank you. Thank you. Well, hey, is there anything else that you want to add to this show? Our listeners or viewers can hear. Well, to the you know, to the dentists, um, it's pretty ex- exciting times. What we did with telemedicine is starting to happen with teledentistry. So, yes. you know, I don't know how you fill a, a tooth remotely, but there are probably <laughs> a lot of times when uh, when a conversation between a patient and their dentist remotely will help solve problems. Absolutely. And, uh, so teledentistry is kind of just on the precipice, but um, it's starting to get kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. We'll have to stay tuned on that. Right. Right. Very good. Well, hey, Michael, it was so good to have you here today. Thank you for joining us on the show. It's a pleasure. Send some rain our way. I will. I will. Have a good day. (laughs) Okay. Thanks. Thank you. I appreciate you joining me for today's episode. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit dentallife.coach for access to additional coaching tools as well as more episodes to help you create the dental life you truly desire.